Hello and welcome to NFL Only Better. I'm Beth Ferris, Kieran O'Connor, joined as always by John Baff and by Mike Carson. Gentlemen, it is the last show of 2023. Excitement I feel is immensely sad. I may feel immensely sad. It's overcoming my excitement. <laughs> Um, John, a cracking week in the NFL, and we have so much to look forward to because we got games on Friday, which is Thursday night football. We got games on Saturday. We got games on Christmas Eve. We got games on Christmas Day, and we got games. Well, technically into the into the early hours of Stephen's Day, Boxing Day, depending on where you live. It's a good uh, so slate too. Dare I say some some Christmas crackers on the horizon for us all here, Kieran? No, be... no, you can't say stuff like that. Can I that. say that? Okay, should we should we start the show again? That would be it. <laughs> Um, what does the NFL have against holidays anyway? <laughs> yeah, well, it's the perfect time to play some football, it seems. Um, Mike, very quickly, before we go into all the games, uh, one, two things that we noticed, obviously, Eagles lost again away from home. It's becoming a bit of a thing that when they go to away from home, they lose, um, especially if they're good teams. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, again, we t- talked about the wheels slightly falling off. The wheels are well, maybe not off, but um, definitely a little bit of worries at the moment there. And of course, one should mention that the Seattle Seahawks drive that won the game, they actually tar- targeted the same player for uh, the Seahawks targeted the same Eagles corner for every single catch, which is slightly worrying. And the third thing that I wanted to mention to you, of course, was with the San Francisco 49ers, because if you watch the Arizona Cardinals San Francisco 49ers game, you will see that the 49ers won 45-29. Great win for the current Super Bowl favorites. But if you look like a little bit under the hood, I reminded the Arizona Cardinals are not exactly brilliant this year, 3-11. and 11. And the match stats say that uh, the Cardinals managed 436 total yards, more than San Francisco. They rushed, they blitzed them for 234 yards on the ground and 202 passing yards. Yeah. Is that a little they, bit of a worry for San Fran? No. No. Actually, it's, no, um, because oh if, you, if you look at what the match announcers didn't to look at um armistead and hargrave were both out for san francisco which is their two starting defensive tackles who are both all pro defensive tackles um so i was surprised that arizona didn't run the ball more i would have said to kyler murray <laughs> run right <laughs> hand it off hand it off you don't need to pass but i mean sometimes you just can't get away from that i i, I don't worry about that the the, the worry with san francisco basically is what happens when they get behind. And, you know, there's a famous stat about Kyle Shanahan. If they're seven points down going into the fourth quarter, I think he's only won one game in his career. Yeah. Um, and there's the the specter of the uh, Super Bowl against New England hanging over him where they, you know, they, they couldn't close the game out because they sort of refused to run the ball and, and kill kill the clock. So there, there is that. They're, they're a big play offense. And this year, um, we've had a lot of games where big play offenses that have less possession have won have won a lot of games, and it helps if you really have a good defense, which is which is what they have. I think Philadelphia is more worrying, although to be honest, getting the fifth seed might well be an advantage over getting the second seed, which Dallas would move into if you know they keep the tiebreak with Philadelphia, because the fifth seed gets to play the winner of the NFC South. Whereas the the second seed is going to wind up playing one of the wild card teams, who could well be a hot team, you know, uh, coming in mm-hmm. someone you don't necessarily want to play. But yeah, I'm, Philadelphia's score. I mean, Bradbury, you might argue now is their best corner, and Bradbury's penalty 
was almost the key play of that game. It gave it gave uh, Seattle a field goal where they shouldn't have had anything. And it was very much like the penalty in the Super Bowl um, against Bradbury, and although we didn't see a replay of it, so we can't tell what his other arm was doing. But it looked, from the angle we saw in the game, it looked pretty clean. He came across and tipped it with his left hand. But if his right hand was holding him back, fair enough. But that's going to be a worry for the Eagles. To me, the Eagles, and, and to an extent similarly, the Chiefs, both look like they, they decided to wait to have their Super Bowl hangover until midseason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they both kind of look like like tired teams. And, and they both played pretty hard schedules. I made this point last week. I make it over and over again. The Eagles last year played a very easy schedule, and this year they're playing a very hard schedule. It's not, you know, it's not a huge surprise that they're not yeah. looking as good as they did last year. John? Yeah, I think... I thought you were we, coming in there with something. Oh, I was going to, but Mike, Mike makes a very good point about it. I think that... You know, so much of the NFL season can be defined by hitting momentum, hitting form at the right time. And like the Eagles have fallen off a little bit. I think they've sort of just, you know, if you remember, if you go back to the previous shows, I kind of picked them to lose those three games in in our previous shows. So I think they're sort of regressing to what they sort of are this season, more so than being, they like, they're definitely not as good as last year, but they are stuttering a little bit as we go down the line. And the opposite of that would be, I suppose, or a team who's kind of finding form at the right time would be, I know we're not talking about them yet, but uh, the Buffalo Bills, because they had a very, very poor season. And now I think most of us would agree that they're maybe not the, they're they're looking like a, probably a top five offense in the league once again. And they've, they seem to have pulled back some of that stuff that they were doing incorrectly. And, and like I said, yeah, it's, it, the Bills are looking like a team that are very much like trending upwards at the moment, whereas some other teams, not so much. Yeah, I, I, I saw um, uh, in pa- one of those power rankings things now, uh, Mike, sorry, I moved closer to the mic. I'm like leaning back in the chair. You can hear me from back here, people. Um, <laughs> that uh, a couple of people have now moved the Bills to probably second in the AFC rankings. Uh, now, this is a team that, you know, if they make the playoffs, which is not guaranteed, um, they'll be low enough down. They'll have a tough route, but that's what they're saying. They're right behind the Ravens. Would anyone agree with that? Um, maybe not second favorite. I would, but like I would have them. I would have them third, probably, or maybe okay. maybe fourth. I think Kansas City could like like the Bills come through. But last week, when we looked at the, there were eleven teams with winning records, and when you sorted all of the seven and six teams out that were in the wild card spots, I thought the Bills. It was almost inverse order. The Bills were the best; they were the bottom of the eleven. They were the yeah. best of those seven and six teams. And I think this week they've moved up considerably from that. Yeah, a good performance. Uh, my last point on the San Francisco 49ers is, if you give up six point one yards per play in games, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. No, but if you put Javon Hargreave and Arik Armstead back in the middle of your defensive line, you're not going to give up 6.1 yards <laughs> per play. <laughs> okay. And I think that's, you know, I don't even, you know, could they have played um, if it were a big game? You know, I I think probably yes. But, you know, why why risk it when, you know, there's, they've got nothing right now. They can, they can almost cruise. Um, they've got Baltimore and then they've got Washington and the Rams. So it's not actually an easy out for, for the, for the season, but they've already clinched their division. Um, so what they're playing for now is home team, uh, home, home field for the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we'll, we'll get to that game, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, we'll, 
if there's any deficiencies there, it'll become very, very apparent when they play Baltimore in a few days' time. Yeah. So that's we'll we'll know this time next week. Well, we'll know a hell of a lot more about how they how they're looking sli- towards the slightly season. fingers crossed for Kieran, who is in the semi-finals of his fantasy league. Of course, he is. <laughs> but the person that he is playing has Christian McCaffrey, which is basically a cheat code at this stage in fantasy football. So, Kyle, maybe just give Christian just the, the night off for me. It's, it's yeah, it's interesting how that kind of thing influences the MVP voters. Um, you know, and, and this is not to put down Christian McCaffrey at all. I think he's a legitimate MVP candidate, but he's he doesn't carry that team um, the way I would have said Tyreek carries Miami um, until Waddle had a big game last week and proved that they could win without him. But that was against the Jets, so that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> and and um, But, you know, non-quarterback MVPs, I think uh, if you're not going to consider defensive guys, those, those two guys are the ones who are in the mix. And I think Tyreek probably tilts the field more than Christian McCaffrey does. McCaffrey, in a sense, takes advantage of openings. Um, you know, he was amazing in this, this game. The, the amount of yardage he got after contact when he was running the ball was just amazing. You know, yeah, they, they should have that. had him stopped five or six times and he got yeah. nine, 10, 12 yard gains. He's incredible. He doesn't even look that physically imposing when he runs. It's just something about the angles he takes or something. He's just so difficult to take down. Um, yeah. Okay, listen, we're, we're going to leave our kind of review there because. There's so many games and we want to get it all done for everyone in in, in, in a good enough time. So uh, we're going to be quick with some of these games, guys, because there's a lot on. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with Saints at Rams, 8-5 to five, the Saints. The Rams uh, are 8-15, to 4.5 spread, 46.5 is the over-under. Do you know what, Mike, when it comes to the Rams, you know what really, really gets me excited? is the fact that if kind of current sort of play out happens, we could see Stafford and the Lions play the Rams. That's, yeah, that's a great that's a great shot. It, it, it's actually it's it's not you know you can't say it's likely now, but it is eminently possible. Yeah, and, and that's so be, much that fun. Would a, that would be a hell of a revenge game. Um, <laughs> I think Sean McVay is solid contender for Coach of the Year with what he's done with this team. You know they they went all in. They sold out to win a Super Bowl. Um, it worked. They suffered last year. They, I think I looked it up. Um, they had something like 177 starts and 366 games lost in the offseason this year from players who had who they had to move on from. And they've replaced, they've replaced them, they've adjusted, they found guys, you know, um, um, Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua. Uh, Avila in the offensive line, you know, to, from a draft, they had an amazing draft. I think Les Snead deserves a lot of credit for that. And Stafford's back, and you know, and playing and playing like vintage Stafford. I think this is a fascinating game. The over/under went up by two points from uh, Monday, from forty-four to forty-six and a half. Um, but the the spread only went up by a half a point, um, and I think I think I like the Rams in this, even giving four point five. And that's that's knowing that New Orleans is a good defensive team. Carr had a good game last week. Kamara had a really good game. Um, you know they're not they're not an easy out, but I think at home I, I would take the Rams with uh, giving the points. 
Yeah, John, you mentioned that the ra- our teams coming in with, you know, a little bit of momentum. We think back to the two Super Bowls that the Giants won, for example. That's yeah. a team that came in with momentum and won. The Rams, you could argue, are probably someone at that. And they're, they've won three of their last four. And they lost to the Ravens only in overtime. So they beat the Commanders 28, 28 to 20. They lost to the Ravens, as I said, in overtime. They beat the Browns. I don't know if you remember that game when they beat the Browns. No, there. I didn't. I didn't. Did that happen? Not sure. 36-19. <laughs> and obviously they beat the Cardinals 37-14 um, on the 26th of November. I did that the wrong way around. I know people will be like, why has he gone that way? So it's the wrong way around. So it was Cardinals, Browns, <laughs> lost to the Ravens, came back yeah. and beat the Commanders. Although... Sorry, slight point. Did anyone see the video of like the commander's last couple of plays where they're like in a huddle for 30 seconds, four minutes to go. They're down 14 points. They're in the red zone. They're taking the whole amount of time that it would. It was it was like Ron Rivera signing his resignation letter. It's the most crazy thing (laughs) ever. And and even better. Did you see the onside kick? (laughs) It comes it comes to Cooper Cup on the bounce and Cup being a smart guy, understood the rule and simply whacked the ball out of bounds to yeah. keep possession, um, but not, you know, not actually worry about getting hit and catching yeah. the ball and maybe maybe losing it. No. Can't understand why everyone thought, doesn't do that. When I saw that, I actually, I genuinely didn't know that they could do that, that they could just smack it out. Yeah. I thought it'd be a flag it, of some description. Great. You know, it was like, volley, it was like volleyball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Goodbye, um, Ron. <laughs> As I said, John, they have momentum, second in the NFC West, going along nicely. Stafford's playing well. They found, as Mike said, Puka Nakua in a good wide receiver. They've obviously got Cooper yeah. Cup again when he's on form. Kyron Williams is a good running back. It, it's looking okay for the Rams. They're at home. You kind of fancy them to beat the Saints team. I'd fancy them to beat the Saints team, for sure. Like the, Both of these teams are coming into the game with a 7-7 seven and seven record, but as we all kind of know, some 7-7 seven and seven records are created a bit differently, and I think the Rams would be a lot more content Maybe not with the record itself, but with, like you say, here, how they're playing at this stage of the season. But, I mean, I don't think this New Orleans team, while they're a far cry from, you know, the height of their powers and the in the breeze and, and Sean Payton era from a few years back, their defense is still good. They've got a defensive coach. The head coach is a defensive guy. So, like, they'll always get that going. And their um, secondary has been, you know, one of the better units in the league so far this year. And you're going to need a good secondary, like you say, when you're playing I suppose Cup to an extent, although I think Cup's dropped off a little bit, but like like we all kind of agree, Puka Nakua has been one of the, you know, non-quarterback finds in the in the draft last year. He or this year, I should say, but he's been he's been a tremendous player. You can just see it uh with him. Like, you know, you know when you when you see some players and they just you give them sort of the eye test and it's like, yeah, this guy has everything you need. Even on like, you know, running plays, he's he's fantastic at those, you know, the trick plays or whatever. So I think, yeah, I, I this game is definitely leaning in Los Angeles' favor, but I would not be surprised if this is kind of a field goal game, you know? So, did what's the uh, is, is the spread still four and a half, or did you say it's gone up to five? Yeah. No, four it's and a half. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd be I'd be leaning towards the Saints on that one. I think this could be like a you know sort of a twenty six twenty three kind of game potentially, but you know on a straight up thing, I'd be looking for the Rams to claim the the victory here and, and move towards the postseason with some uh, like so you're going to go over. You're going to go over on that then. Yeah, I would go over too, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I'd be, I'd be maybe not the twenty six, twenty three kind of sounds like what it would be, but I'd be more content with it being a three point game than necessarily being an over. You know. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, two teams who played on Saturday of uh, well, technically last week, this week. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Seven to ten about the Bengals, twenty three to twenty about the Pittsburgh Steelers. One point five spread, thirty seven points the over under. 
John, Bengals had a great game. Really fun yeah. to watch. Won in overtime. Steelers game, right? Steelers at Colts. Quite a funny Pittsburgh Steelers game because they scored the first two touchdowns, missed an extra point. They go 13 points up. It looked pretty good. The handicap moves to eight. I was watching it in play. You can get the Colts plus eight. I'm like, Colts plus eight. That seems like a good bet. And then Pittsburgh just don't play for three quarters. And it's a, <laughs> it's just how their season has been. They are, they are like, as we mentioned, the Chargers, they're a teasy team. They're like, oh, we're good. Oh, no, we're shit. Yeah, uh, more the latter, I would think, about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think their shitness has been sort of, you know, not it, basically they're a shit team. It's kind, of, it's kind of what I think. But still, like like my previous thing about not all 7-7 seven and seven records are created equal, they're 7-7 seven and seven on the year as well. So they're, to Mike Tomlin's immense credit, he keeps them there and thereabouts and has done for basically the entire tenure of his, of his time in Pittsburgh. Um, but, you know, this is an AFC North rivalry game and particularly with that division, like it's a division I know quite well, obviously being a, being a Browns fan, they, um, these games can really kind of go anywhere, but you'd, <laughs> the, the Bengals would be look like the Bengals, their season could have absolutely fallen apart about whenever it was Burrow going to what was that? Three or four weeks ago. But the, you know, Jake Browning has come in there, this new quarterback no one had heard of until a couple of weeks ago. And he's been playing well. I was actually speaking to a Bengals um, fan during the week and he I have to say quite optimistically floated that the 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 Browning Burrow thing could be like this era's Brady Bledsoe. And now I'm not sure we can call uh, oh. Jake Browning Tom Brady just yet. <laughs> or, or even or, or even Joe call Burrow. Joe Burrow drove through Bledsoe. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, he was quite optimistic about this. But I think, you know, the, the Did he Cincinnati... check his stats at halftime, just for the record? <laughs> I'm not trying to bl- rain on anyone's parade, but basically Jake Browning had a really poor first half. Really poor. His his second half, he came yeah, to life. He, he drew most yeah. of his yardage in the second half. I think people just get very excited when a backup quarterback plays Which better than expected. It's amazing he's hung around the league so long and never had a snap until this season. Yeah, yeah. You know, Maybe that's like, something. But I mean, I think most of us would agree that Jake I'd rather have Jake Browning in my team than Mason Rudolph and that's the those hey, are the corner. Not at this time of year, John. He's going to You got to get Rudolph to start. Exciting. Yeah. Imagine it imagine if you're Mitch Trubisky and you realize you're being benched for Mason Rudolph. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're Now the thing with the Steelers though is that Minka's probably out and Demonte Kezie has been suspended for the rest of the season, so they don't have either safety. Which I think um, we can all say I, that we disagree with, correct? I think I I think for the season is probably too harsh. For the season is too harsh. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I would have taken a game, even maybe two, because it's it's not just that play, which I've heard lots of arguments about Tom Brady came in and said, it's, you know, the quarterback, yeah. there's too many quarterbacks throwing their, throwing their players into, into danger, which, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, in, that. In, yeah. I think in Minshew's defense, he probably didn't see the safety because he was like in the direct line behind the, the receiver Pittman. Um, but, but cause he's got more, you know, he's, he's like Kareem Jackson. He's, he's had four or five, uh, um, fines already this year mm. for hits for hits that he wasn't even penalized on in some cases. Um, I, yeah, I think you should mix them. You could come up with a player called uh, Kareem Kazee, and he'd be like the world's worst headhunter. But 
Steelers are a tough enough team as well. They, they, I mean, if you saw the Moss touchdown, he went out of the game with an arm injury. If you watched, because it was a horse collar tackle right on the line, like he's in for the touchdown. Yeah. And they dragged him to the ground and he's done real damage to his hand. That didn't get a flag. And you're like, ooh, that was a tough one. It's it's funny because they're not calling horse collars a lot. And, and they're not calling at all if you grab by the player's helmet, which is guys are starting to do the back of the helmet kind of reach in and, and pull back on that. But, um, but I think that's a problem for Pittsburgh. And I noticed that the line went down after disease suspension from two and a half to one and a half. Mm. So it's basically almost a pick him game. And I don't see how you can't pick Cincinnati in that case. Brilliant. Uh, John, did you actually give your pick there? Not really. I was leaning towards, uh, I'm actually going for the over, which is it still 37, five. 37, down one. 37, 37, even better, I suppose. Yeah, I think this just might, like I said, AFC North games can just be very hard and difficult to predict and like just strange things happen. So I think 37 is a very, very achievable over in this one. Yeah, if you see Mitch Trubisky at wide receiver and Mason Rudolph at quarterback, expect the trick play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, Bills at Chargers is the uh, sort of late game. Um, well, it's twenty fourth December. Falk, if you want to coach the Chargers. <laughs> Hello, Bill Belichick. Uh, one to nine, the Buffalo Bills. The LA Chargers are eleven to two. Twelve point five spread. Forty three point five is the over. Got up two points. Can we just say right? Nothing sums the Chargers up like Austin Eckler getting a first down and celebrating in the face of the opponent when he's over 50 points down. <laughs> that is just... that. I think they were 52. It might have been... Yeah, I think it was about 52 points down, and he put the hand out, first down, and he dropped the ball. And I could just see the Raider guy be like, "Yeah, have you seen the score? You point, you point up toward the scoreboard. 100%. Just crazy. Uh, Bills are on top form. The only question here, John Balth, Mm-hmm. Is 12 and a half just too much? Uh, probably not, considering they, they gave up 63 points last week. What was the they, they lost by 42 uh, to the, the Raiders the of Raiders. all teams? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the offensive powerhouse Raiders team that we've been talking about all year. Can't be stopped, John. We've seen <laughs> it all season. <laughs> but, those uh, are the kind of games that don't happen in the AFC North. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, just to get to the point on this one, I think the Bills can cover that spread, like, quite easily. You know, even, I would have been happier, obviously, this time yesterday it was 10.5. Obviously, you said it's just gone up. Um, But still, I mean, we've mentioned it at the top of the show, the Bills' offense look like they're humming quite well at the moment, and the Chargers are just a hot mess. So, uh, I mean... (laughs) Whether this is one of those games where you expect Buffalo to win quite handsomely, but the over under, which what, is it still 42 5 or has that gone up as well, Kieran? 43 5 now, yeah, yeah. It's gone up a point. Yeah, so I up, think yeah. it'd be more one of those situations it's like whether the Chargers can do their part of, of keeping towards the over under in this one. But I think, look, I'm going, I'm happy, very happy to go to the Bills covering that large spread. And, you know, 12 and a half spreads would justifiably make most of us nervous in this one. But this one is teed up for that one to be smashed, I think. Yeah. You, you sort of hope the Bills stick to a running kind of game plan because the Chargers are horrible against the run. Um, and the, the only reason you wouldn't might be to sort of protect Josh Allen. But they yeah. didn't need to run him a lot um, last week last week or a few days ago. Um, and that's the only thing I, I always look at is when you've got a 12 and a half spread and a 43 over under, 
you're talking about what thirty percent of the points that you're that the bookies are forecasting are in the are in the spread, and that you know <laughs> you really you really have to think the Chargers are bad to take that. Um, but you know they are. Does. <laughs> but they yeah, are. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, we I think we mentioned it last week, but the. Uh, Justin Herbert has been kind of the the glue that's been keeping that offense or basically the entire franchise together uh, at parts of this season, at least anyway. And just look what happens as soon as he's gone. You know, it's there's just yeah. there's nothing there. The uh, the funny thing about uh, you mentioned the running game with the Bills, Mike, is that obviously they had a great game against the Eagles. And as you said, they don't need to run Josh Allen. The statistics from that game were that, uh, well, he got 94 yards passing. I'll find try and find his rushing yards yeah, he here was in nine, a second. Yeah, he was 9 from 15, if I remember correctly. He's 9 from 15, yeah. They didn't run him a lot. I can't find his rushing yards just quite yet. But what I will say is James Cook, who's yeah. come into his own in the last couple of seasons, had 25 carries for 179 yards and one touchdown. So, of course, in the Buffalo Bills dressing room, they gave the match ball to Josh Allen. You have to think <laughs> that Cook was just sitting there. <laughs> Did you see the handoff, though? Did you see those handoffs? <laughs> it's like, wait a second. <laughs> Nearly 200 yards in the ground, a touchdown, and I ain't getting the match ball. One of my favorite phrases, and, and I heard someone use it earlier this week, is, is Canadian football. The Bills only had nine third downs in that game, which is very low, and they converted five right. of them. But no one's mentioned the 49ers only had seven third downs. In that game, going through an NFL game and only being in third down seven. Oh, not times. conversions, actually, just being on third down. Just yeah, just wow. seven. Yeah. They converted wow. four of seven, um, but only being in third down seven times. It's such an easy game if you're never in third down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you now, and that's you know that's that's a sign of a well, of a well functioning offense. Definitely, six teams uh, playing at six o'clock on Sunday, Christmas Eve. You've at your sort of. Pre-Christmas dinner, you're sitting down, everything's packed, ready to go. Mike has something to say. Yeah, just one other thing. You're a Dallas fan. I'm not is a Dallas fan. Is yeah. Damone Clark one of your favorite players? No. Why? Did you see what Deion Dawkins did to him? No. Uh, it was a run from the 20-yard line. James Cook ran 19 yards to the one. And Dawkins basically ran up to uh, Damone Clark and made contact and then turned him in the direction of the run and pushed him forward. It was like it was like um, that scene from The Blind Side when Michael Michael Orr pushes the guy all the way down the field, and he just pushed him and pushed him and pushed him and pushed him until he finally dropped him on top of James Clark. So uh, James James um, Cook <laughs> James Cook. So Clark Clark basically gets pushed nineteen yards and then dumped on the player who's already down. It was the best block of the week. I would just once again like to tell everyone that I am not a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, yeah. The Cleveland Browns take on the Houston Texans as one of the six o'clock, one of the two six o'clock games we're going to look at. Seven to ten about the Browns. The Texans are 23 to 20, 2.5 spread, 40.5 is the over under. And of course, we have to start with John Balf because the Browns once again uh, had a game that went down to the last play of the game. Just, just what you or do. The, I think that's this either the sixth or the seventh time this year that they've had that 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 has happened, and I think they've won at least five of those as well. Perhaps six. The the only one that they the only tight game they lost was a few weeks back to um, Seattle in the back in October, I think thirty eight thirty five off the top of my head. But um, yeah, they're. I mean, I think that's just the sign of a, a lucky team. team. 
Well, I mean, that's one way you could, you could definitely make that argument in, in a sense. But I mean, you know, Kieran, you create your own luck in this league, and uh, you have to be able to put your, you have to be able to put yourself <laughs> yeah. in the position in the fourth I'm, quarter to be able to do that. And they, I mean, when Darnell Mooney, when Darnell Mooney dropped, oh, that, good lord, that, yeah, he and yeah, I don't even, know, I don't know how he didn't. It was it like hit him in the stomach, and he had his hands on it, and then it bounced. Yeah, but you know, I could just see Kevin Stefanski on the sidelines saying, "Boy, can I coach." <laughs> Coach of the year, John Buff. Well, I mean, he's a justifiable candidate. If you ask me, that's the, the injuries that that team has had, and to be whatever the record is, what nine and five, or I think it is. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's tremendous to be on four quarterbacks have lost the majority of your offensive line, and uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's yeah, a well, tremendous thing. But they only had two starters on the offensive line play. Yeah, uh, you know, which is why they couldn't run the ball. And, yeah, but they're and, all of a sudden they they've drafted Flacco yeah. in. And they're, you know, they're a long throwing team now, which was, that was not the plan at the start. Not just to have Flacco in, but this was supposed to be a running first team. Like losing, didn't even mention losing Nick Chubb in the in the second game of the season as well. Arguably the top three back in the league. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I could talk about the Browns all day. Got, but. Yeah, they've got 20% of their salary cap is on IR. 25. 25%. <laughs> but uh, anyway, just about this game. The interesting yeah, thing I, already. I was just reading this morning that it looks it's more than likely that CJ Stroud is not going to play. So that'll mean that Case Keenum is going to be a quarterback for the Houston Texans. Which uh Kim, just tell me the what are the what's the over under on the on the spread on this one again? They like to do everything, John. Forty point five. Forty point five. Okay, that's gone down by that's gone down by two points. And what's the yeah. spread? It was two point five plus for the Browns yesterday. Two and a half, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's gonna that, that might move a little oh, bit given it's two and a half for the Texans now. Oh, well, there you go. That's 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 flipped massively on the news of um, Case Keenum. Yeah, Case Keenum starting. So I think so. The brands have been very, very good at home this year. Not quite so good on the roads. I think this is a this is a win, even despite the fact that uh, Case Keenum is starting for the Texans and they've had they've got a few injuries as well across the board. This is a winnable game for them. I think I said last week or a couple of weeks ago, this brands team is kind of a strange one to predict because the defense is so good and the offense is kind of hit and miss and, and shaky, but they can honestly win any game they play, as you've seen them beating uh, the 40 or the, yeah, the 49ers. They've, they've beaten, I think, four of the top seeds in the NFC so far this year. So they're, they're a good team, but they can also lose to pretty much anybody, I think. Um, so don't be surprised if the Texans win this one because the Browns are on the road. But I think... I'm probably leaning towards the under on this one, particularly with the news that Case Keenum is starting. I think I'd be looking at that. Okay, what you, Mike. What do you, yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, there's not much I, I could argue about with that. I mean, I I was Houston ruined me last week, but which we'll get on to at the end of the show. Um, looking forward to it. And Flacco, Flacco doesn't does enough to um, to make the make the Browns win. If they can run the ball, they'll win. But, you know, you looked at the way Houston defended Tennessee and Derrick Henry had nine yards on 16 carries. Uh, and then toward the end of the game, they were blitzing the hell out of them. And Levis was getting sacked, you know, mm -hmm. at least once on each of the last drives, but usually twice um, on each series. So <clears throat> I kind of like Houston there, even without, C.J. Stroud or Tank Dell or Nico Collins, you know, the, their whole passing attack is is kind of is kind of gone there. They they've been very good. I think Slowick is in the running for assistant coach of the year. D'Amico Ryan should be the favorite for coach of the year. I think un, undoubtedly. And I also think 
much as Kevin Stefanski should be in the running for coach of the year too, I think Jim Schwartz has been the big addition on that oh, Cleveland yeah. team because it was a team whose defense was always good. And everybody was saying it should be great. And, you know, well, we don't have another, you know, we don't have another guy opposite Miles Garrett or we need this or that. And Schwartz has come in and, and with basically the same kind of personnel without any huge changes has made that defense really, you know, frightening for, for most offenses. Okay, the uh, next game we're going to look at is the Detroit Lions of the Minnesota Vikings. 8-15 to the Lions. The Vikings are 6-4. to four. Three points is the current spread. 37.5. Uh, sorry. Three points spread. 46.5 is the over-under. Uh, Mike, this was one that kind of caught your eye. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the, Viking, the Vikings played Detroit twice in the next three games. Then, um, so, you know, this is kind of like a um, playoff, little playoff the decider if if minnesota could win out they'd be 10 and 7 and detroit could be i you know could possibly be 10 and 7 depending on what they do in their non minnesota game if minnesota's getting three at home and they're even money three at home which which is very very tempting um they're basically a defensive team this year brian flores has done a really good job with their defense um and made them hard to um hard to play against the question is you know what what goes on what goes on with the offense is, is Justin Jefferson going to play they've gone most of the year without him they've obviously gone the whole year or most of it without Kirk Kirk Cousins Dobbs reached the end of his kind of um kind of utility there because um you know the uh teams figured out you just can't let him run uh, make him make him play in the pocket, yeah. and he's probably not not going to beat you. So, I think I think you you know everything sort of points to Detroit being the winning team, the winning team here. Um, and I'm I'm just thinking it could be a little bit more tightly controlled than that. But I like the over in this game, even you know even if Minnesota's offense isn't uh, isn't fully functioning they got 24 last week against the Bengals I think they can probably match that um match that against the Lions and the Lions are probably good for 24 of their own I think it's a close game closer than people think uh, okay. which may be why that three is so tempting okay um John unless you've got a massive amount to say I'm going to move on to the Cowboys at Dolphins because we've got a, a, a few games to go through yeah uh, no, I, I would just I'd just echo what Mike said really I won't stay in it too long but I'd be looking at the over on this one too particularly if um, like you say if Justin Jefferson's able to get out there even more so JJ yeah, Kevin if you were thinking about Kevin O'Connell as coach of the year they had a third and one down by the goal line and they ran the same play twice in a row which was kind of a tush push except they only had one guy pushing, and he was Brandon Powell, who is literally the smallest player on Minnesota's roster at 5'8", 181. So Nick Mullins tried to sneak with this little guy kind of standing behind him pushing, and it made no sense at all the first time. And then they came back and did it again the second time, and it still made no sense at all. Yeah, I think the Bengals tried one as well, didn't they? The Bengals, and it was a disaster. So it shows that it's not this like trick play unless you have, you know, 33% of yeah. Jalen Hurts' fantasy football points have come from the touch push. Really? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. 
Uh, Dallas Cowboys take on the Miami Dolphins in what is probably one of the games. Your Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, I didn't say it. Yeah. Even money about the Dallas Cowboys. Your Dallas Cowboys. Five to six about the Dolphins. 1.5 is the spread. 51.5 is the over under. We expect a high scoring game. John Baff, tell me this. Why? Why in the name of God would anyone back Dallas away from home when they can't win away from home, especially against a good team? And here they are even yeah. money to win. That's a very it good point, Kieran. Right. I think that is the defining feature of this particular game. Um, Cowboys are three and four on the road, and they have, I don't think anyone else is unbeaten at home in the league. If they are, there's not many of them, but the Cowboys are seven and zero oh at home. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a Dolphins game. I think, yeah, Miami played well this year. And I think they're two games ahead of the Bills in their division. So part of them will just be like, you know, we want to make sure that they don't. Uh, a two game, you know, difference with three games to go is nice. But yeah, at the same time, they want to get this over the line and secure that division win and get into the playoffs, uh, which will be good for them, obviously. Miami as well, six and one at home. Everything, all this kind of points to uh, a Miami win. So I would just take them, I suppose, just jumping to the point, I would take them minus one and a half. I think that's the way to go in this one. And uh, but yeah, this Cowboys team, yeah, they're they're kind of like a they're almost like a bully team. You know, when things are going their way, they will play well. But when the when they're up against it, maybe not so much. And I think that'll be the that that's going to be what will happen this uh, this week. You can't back them, Mike, until they win away from home. Well, to yeah, a good team, like a little, a couple of words of warning. Miami's run game is going to be, I think, easier for Dallas to defend than Buffalo's was. Um, because if you're good at the second level, you can you can kind of you can kind of fill or play to the gaps. Um, what were is Tyreek Hill playing or not? Do we have a? I think he it will, but we haven't had really, confirmation. Um, that's going to be the real quick challenge for Dallas in this one. Miami though are ten and four, and they still have not beaten a team with a winning record. Um, this season, which to me sends up a kind really? of red flag in this game, but probably not enough for me to yeah. think to think that Dallas in a point and a half is 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 the bet that you want. Um, I think the over, even though it's fifty one, could be in play here. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah, it's got it's got a whiff of a high score. This one, um, Miami. No, I'm just going to talk myself out of that because Miami is actually a good defensive team, you know, and the defense has sort of been holding the jets to no points is not, it does not make them a good defensive team. It just makes them a team. I didn't say that that was what made them that. I was going to say Vic Fangio has made them that, but that's another, that's another story. Putting a cap on Zach Wilson. That's not easy to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, If you have decided to stay up late and extend your Christmas Eve, you will be rewarded by watching the New England Patriots take on the Denver Broncos. Five to two about the New England Patriots. The Denver Broncos are three to ten. Seven point spread, 34.5 is the over-under. Will the real Denver Broncos please stand up? John Ball. No, they won't. I'm going with the Patriots in this one. I think uh, oh. <laughs> it's a brave move. You know, it's a brave move to go for this New England Patriots team. But let's be honest, they... Um, have a very good uh, defense, particularly a very good running defense. And I was just looking at some of the facts and figures yesterday. 
Um, the Broncos call running plays pretty much half the time. Now they can adjust that playing, you know, depending on what defense they're playing. But they're a team that some of their recent success after they had a terrible start of the season has been built on establishing a decent running game and kind of working off that. That'll be tricky, I think, uh, in this one, even though they're at home to the New England Patriots. I just have this feeling as well that, you know, it's all the signs are looking like Belichick's career is winding down in New England. There's all those, there's been those media reports. It's obviously been a terrible season for them as well. I just suspect that if Belichick wasn't leaving, there would have been some sign. There would have been some sign from Kraft. There would have been something from that franchise to say that, like, you know, some vote of support for, for Bill Belichick. And while they're backing him, they haven't fired him mid-season. I think, yeah, the, the writing is on the wall there. And I just, I just can't see a scenario where this guy goes out, ends his Patriots career without like at least one or two kind of more signature wins. Maybe that's just me being fiercely optimistic about this or, you know, think he deserves it. And we'll, we'll see what happens there. But again, just go back to this Broncos team. Terrible, terrible starts of the year. Steady the ship a little bit under Peyton. You got it, got it kind of going. But I just still, still don't think that they're that well oil of the team they're flirting with the playoffs uh so and, and they might even very very likely get in there maybe get a wild card spot but less so if they lose this game and i think they might lose but the patriots are getting six and a half points and that's kind of what's got my interest in this one you know getting seven now mike there you it's go seven, yeah. i was going i was going to say it's seven now and i think that probably puts that into play um but i like going over in this at 34 five even though it's the Patriots. Um, John's right about the defense. They've played really well. Denver's a tough place to go in and play when you're you're kind of like a big, big-ish, slower defense. Um, and I think right now the best quarterback on the Patriots team might be um, Nathan, Nathan Rourke, who they just signed to the practice squad, um, who was um, the best Canadian in the CFL last year. Um Oh boy. He played, I think, for Miami of Ohio or Ohio University and uh, was on Jacksonville's practice squad. But, um, uh, you know, they let uh, the Ravens took Malik Cunningham, who the Patriots never used. Um, after giving him the best undrafted free agency deal they'd ever done with anybody. Um, and he's like, a, he took Lamar Jackson's place at Baltimore, at Louisville. Um, so, you know, he's a good fit for the Ravens. That was a smart move. And then they'd had Will Greer. and Will Greer just got claimed, I think, by the Chargers, um, who could use anything. Um, and so they've got now Nathan Rourke. But I think Nathan Rourke is ahead of Blade Bailey Zappi. I mean, you know, they were in that game with Kansas City. And then Zappi comes out to start the second half and throws a really bad pick six. Uh, and that, you know, that just that just killed them. But, you know, watching what they did to Kansas City at home, and that was what twenty seven seventeen. Denver's not as good, so you think keeping them within seven is possible. But on the road, I'd be hesitant to go with it. You know, Denver's a tough place to play on the road. Teams tend to wear out in the in the fourth quarter, and and that loss to Kansas City. Andy Reid could have had more points, but he he didn't want to rub it in at the end of the game. Um, so, Blue gent. yeah, I'm I'm sort of going with um, the under here. I think. Okay. Uh, the Raiders take on the Kansas City Chiefs 7-2 to about the Las Vegas Raiders 1-5 to by Kansas. I should say this is at 6 o'clock on Christmas Day. 10 points is spread. 41.5 is the over-under. Um, John, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to know exactly where this Kansas City Chiefs team is at the moment, but at home against the Raiders, they should be significantly better than this side. 
Yeah, but this is a this this is a Raiders team that put sixty three points up last week here. <laughs> so, Can't be stopped. We've said it all yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we've sort of yeah. I think we've all we've spoken about the Chiefs obviously quite a lot on the show throughout the course of the season. I think the, the fundamental point we keep all of us making, I think, is that they're they're good, but not maybe not as good as they've been. You know, they're they're not a side, but they're struggling to uh, to really find. Outside of Travis Kelsey, who's just going to be good until he's in his fifties, by the looks of things, the um, to get a dependable wide receiver has been difficult for them. Like Rashi Rice, I think is is their their yardage leader so far this year, and I don't think that was the intention coming into the season to have this guy be your you know the fundamental part of your offense in that regard. So I'd favor them to win here. It's obviously it, it, you know. It's a 10-point handicap. Is that what you said, Kieran? Or that's what it was yesterday on Tuesday, yep, yep. anyway. Still 10. I think uh, that's a that's a big one. That shows that there's quite a lot of you know people putting money on uh the Chiefs winning this one and winning quite handsomely. But I think I'm I'm still I'm a bit scared off by the 10. Like the Raiders, I mean, they kind of still kind of suck, but they're not they don't they're not as bad as they were under Josh McDaniels. They've studied that ship a little bit, but like, you know, I'm not sure. Any team in the history of the NFL has gone from scoring zero points one week, sixty-three points the next week, which is just remarkable <laughs> in and of itself. Can't be stopped, John. Set all season. <laughs> yeah, I know. So yeah, I mean, this isn't one of my. I think that like, I this would be a kind of a money line Chiefs win bet thrown into an accumulator for me than than me being too specific about what I think might happen. But I would yeah. probably go for the over if pushed on this one. I mean, we. What's the money? What's the odds on the money line for the Chiefs? Oh, uh, they are. They're one to five, Mike. They're what? One to five. Yeah, one that's. Five. I mean, that's why we. That's why we do our listeners a favor and don't suggest money line bets on yeah. high favorites. <laughs> Which so we I just I would be with. like padding an accumulator, getting an extra extra leg in there. That's what I'd be doing. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's that's kind of. I, I agree with John. John there, and I think the over is probably the way to go on this one. Oh, a Christmas cracker then. Uh, yeah. Two games to go, right? Very, very briefly. Giants at Eagles, 11.5 spread, 42.5 over under. Is it, again, just a case of can the Eagles cover that spread, guys? In this one, yeah. Uh, they've had a tough time the last couple of weeks, but the Giants are up there with the worst teams in football right now, and I think they will struggle on the road in Philadelphia to keep this, you know, to keep the gap less than 11.5. Tommy Cutlets in Philly? Are you kidding me? What's the matter with you? So I have heard, oh, by the way, that he really dislikes that stuff. So like the Giants, <laughs> uh, the social media guys over there, like they've asked him to do like his top five soprano moments and stuff like that, and he's basically told them to stop with this crap. If um, he really hates that, if he really hates that stuff, he should get himself another agent. That is a fine point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who do we see, dude? Can 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 they keep in touch, Mike? Um, can Philly run up run up the score? I I mean I don't see how you could not take Philly in this one. And I might even it's it's kind of like Kansas City in the ten, Philadelphia in the eleven five. We're we're almost thinking about last year's teams. Yeah, but if they come out on on all cylinders, like you know, they should be able to to take them by two touchdowns. Yeah, I think they might just. The last thing I'll say is, yeah, yeah, I suppose it is, but I think they're they're, they'll come into this game slightly wounded at home with an expectant crowd there in the stadium too. You know, yeah. So I think, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I, I would favor that. Like, if it was any, you know, there's not many teams. 
that I'd favor them more over at the moment than the Giants, who are just, yeah. you know, they're a bit of a mess. But my worry in these games is always the same thing. Is is Philadelphia, say, go up, they go up, say, 28 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and then Tommy DeVito throws a touchdown pass, um, you know, and they, they can they can backdoor cover on 11-5. Um, you know, mm, that's yeah. that's kind of like why I would I would tend to avoid it. Um, We've all been there. Yeah, it can yeah. be frustrating. Uh, the last game that we're going to cover in this um, mammoth show, really, um, maybe the best one. Uh, quarter past one yeah. in the morning on Christmas Eve, well, or Christmas Day into Stevens Day, Boxing Day. You get what I mean. You'll understand the dates when you see them. Uh, it is the Baltimore Ravens at the San Francisco 69ers, if you work for RTE Sports. <laughs> it I was here. That was very <laughs> really? good. You, you enjoyed that one, Kieran. I did, yeah. I screenshot and sent it. Mike, I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see yeah. it. Yeah, well, when them. I was in college, when I was in college, our team in 1969 went undefeated and won the Little Three and won the Lambert Cup, and um, we had a reunion on campus at one of the homecoming games, and there was a tent set up for it, and it said "Welcome 69ers." <laughs> <laughs> we uh, well, Brian Adams we there, wanted, nine to five about the Ravens. The San Francisco 49ers are 4-9, 5.5 is the spread, 46.5 is the over-under. John Bath, when we did our little pre-show thing, you said, this is the Super Bowl. <laughs> looks like, it looks like I might have been, been right, huh? <laughs> Potentially, yes. at least, anyway. The two number one seeds, as things stand, probably, well, what I would think anyway, and I'm sure many would agree with me, the two best teams in football, at least as of now in this part of the season, um, and I think, you know, the San Francisco 49ers have been, you know, they've been fantastic this year. Uh, as even, even, I was just even thinking earlier on when uh, Mike was talking about how McCaffrey is being, you know, a, a legitimate con contender for MVP, despite the fact that, you know, quarterbacks never win it. But now we're seeing Brock Purdy, their quarterback, is the actual favorite. So to have two guys on your offense that are, you know, potentially candidates for the MVP just goes to show how, you know, powerful that offense, offense could be when they're ticking. Um, and that's, I suppose, reflected in the uh, in the odds that people have put together for this one—a five and a half point game for the, the for you know the two best teams in the league is huge. And that reflects, on one hand, the 49ers being at home, but like I said, how how well they've been this year. But there is a but coming yeah. here. Uh, the Ravens are six and one away from home this year, and that's against five and two at home. So they're traveling traveling really really well. And as good as San Francisco have been on both sides of the ball, their Achilles heel, at least by my judgment, and like so many other teams in the league, I suppose, this season, is the run defense. And you're going to need to defend the run pretty damn well if you're playing Baltimore Ravens, who are a team that uh, I was looking at it yesterday. 44% of Baltimore's offensive yards this season have been from the ball, keeping the ball on the ground. So I'm picking the Ravens here. Uh, I think getting five and a half points it is a, is an interesting one here as well. Despite the fact, again, on the road, I'm not terribly comfortable with that, but Ravens have shown that they can travel. They've shown they can defend pretty damn well, and they've shown that uh, they can score some points too when they want to, and they can sort of take a game by the scruff of the neck, keep the ball on the ground to keep the clock ticking. So I'd be looking at uh, the Ravens here on the, with the points. Yeah, the one thing that um, holds me back, and, and I agree with almost everything that John said there, there were two things, actually. One is if Hargrave, if Hargrave and Armstead are back, San Francisco is a better team against the run. And what makes the Ravens so difficult to defend with the run is Lamar Jackson 
being the the X factor. You kind of have to spy him, which takes a guy away from the rest of your run defense. Now, the Ra- the Fort Niners had Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw at linebacker. They they play basically a four two most of the time, and those guys are mo- you know those guys cover Reed and stuff really well. So that's going to be one. The other thing is that what they have last week. 251 yards rushing, 73 of that came from Keaton Mitchell on just nine carries. Um, so he was at, he was averaging uh, eight yards, eight yards a carry. Mitchell's out for the season now. And he gave that offense the extra dimension they needed, an explosive outside running back. You know, um, I love Gus Edwards, Justice Hill's good, but they're, they're power runners and um, they needed that kind of speed. So that's going to make it a little bit harder for them. Um, you know, I agree five, five and a half makes it a, a pretty tempting call. Uh, for San Francisco. I also think that the the um, over-under went up to 46.5, and I think it's looking like an under bet here, even though you've got two high-powered offenses. Um, you've also got two good defenses. People underrate San Francisco's defense, um, and it's actually, it's actually really good. And Steve Wilkes is another guy who I think should have a head coaching job next year. Um, and then, then we'll have to find well, another guy. That's Arizona, didn't they? <laughs> That's right. Well, we, he only had one year in Arizona. They yeah. made him play Josh Rosen, a quarterback. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and then they moved on the next year. So, But Wilkes, he had a 6-6 six and six record with Carolina last year after they started the season 1-4 and four under Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. And Carolina should have kept him um, instead of hiring Frank Reich and then firing him. Uh, but that's that's water under the bridge. Um, water under the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably would go with San Francisco at home, um, but I think I like the under in this, which I don't like it enough to be a best bet. But but I like which it. we're about to get to. Um, last call on this game: Baltimore Ravens, AFC, uh, San Francisco 49ers, NFC. John, you said there would be the Super Bowl. If you were to guess right now, how many of these teams would be in the Super Bowl? Would it be zero, one, or two? Which way would you go, John Bass? Um, I would probably go to, and that's not really, that's kind of an easy thing to say as well, because they're both the number one seeds. Um, but still, I think that that's uh, how things are looking at the moment. You know what I'd say, Mike? Zero. You'd say, you'd say zero. I'd say really? one. Uh, okay. But that's because I picked the Niners on our preseason show. So I sort of have to say that. Out of interest here, what's your Super Bowl name? Pardon me? What's Kieran? I don't you, know what Kieran's Super Bowl is. I think um, that the Ravens uh, won't get through the AFC. I think they will I think be. That's what, I was, that's what I was about to say, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be a really tough playoff I, run. Yeah. And I think if the Eagles can get their act together, they can beat the San really? Francisco 49ers. Really? Okay. That'll be a great game if, mm. when it happens. But that that's the Brock Purdy revenge game. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. before, uh, before we get to your best bets, Kieran, yeah. you yeah. something to say? <laughs> Have I something to say? What yeah, don't say? you always? No, don't you always have something to say just before that? Well, yeah. Well, obviously, of course, the promotion taking place at the weekend. Uh, bet five uh, on Bet Pillars. You really put me off by doing that. Uh, you get a five pound free bet. There are terms and conditions for that are in the description of this pod. And please do gamble responsibly, um, especially uh, over the festive period when there is a ton of sport on, of course. But. Uh, in what has been a mammoth show, guys, we've got to be hitting for nearly an hour now. We get, um, yeah. Well, last week, last week, uh, gamble responsibly, so don't pay attention to John. Um, oh, 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 oh. 
Last last week, John uh, went under in um, Chargers Raiders. <laughs> Pardon me, no, it was the Jets no. Miami, wasn't it? Under under thirty eight five, and um, was that your bet? That was so, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, don't try to change that? it. Did I get that? No, did I get that wrong? John just he came in, so um, no, so John is John is eight and seven. Oh, um, on just... the season, Kieran was over 41 and a half with Tampa and Green Bay, and that was that came in easily. Sailed, He's baby, eight, eight, six, and one. And I had Tennessee giving two and a half to Houston, and I was sitting there waiting for that winning field goal that was going to give me the win. And it ain't never happened. I should have gone <laughs> under, but uh, so I was wrong, and I'm nine and six. So we've got Coming a really for you, tight, Mike. we have a really tight AFC sort of battle. You're nine around. and six, Mike. I'm nine and six. How no, am I eight yeah, and six then? You're you're eight and seven. Oh, eight and seven. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. And Shut Kieran up, John Bauf. <laughs> and Kieran's in the middle at eight, six, and one. In many ways, winning with that push. Well, <laughs> in a way. Uh, okay, uh, let's get to this week's one. I'll go first. Um, mm-hmm. Mine is uh, what what I think will be an actually a really really good game, which is the Jacksonville Jags at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because uh, anyone who's watched the books recently, Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. who I've always appreciated and thought was a great QB, is <laughs> he's really cooking down there at Tampa at the moment. And the Jacksonville Jags are a team that need to kind of get a little bit back on track. It's actually a pick'em game, and I, I I don't know which way to pick them. So I'm just going to go with a high-scoring game over 43.5 in the Jags at Bucks game, which I think could be a really, really good Christmas Eve watch. Mike. Mike. Um, well, this 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 has been a um, a tough one, and there's a huge temptation here to go under on Washington and the New York Jets. Um, so that's, I think, that's um, – but the, the over-under is so low that um, – what, what is it? 37.5. It's 37, 37.5. My other my other choice is to actually go over on the Raiders and the Chiefs at 42.5. So being 41.5. Is it down to 41 now? 41.5, yeah. So take note because we've have had, you know, we've had changes. So that that that's the one. Yeah. Okay. So Brilliant. on Christmas Day, my Christmas present is going to be to go over on the Raiders Chiefs at 41.5. And finally, Brother Balf. I am going to go back to the AFC North. Uh, we talked about it earlier, the bengals Cedars game. AFC North, weird things happen in that division. And uh, I'll be looking at the Steelers scoring a couple of points to make it to the over. So the over was 37.5. Brilliant. Okay. That is wonderful. And, and, and thank you for listening. I know it's been a mammoth show, uh, but I mean, we've, we've had one, two, three, four, five days to get through there and we didn't even cover all of the games um i'd like to take this opportunity to thank everyone for listening throughout the year uh we we love you all thank you so much for listening to uh, to our, our our ramblings at times especially mike you don't know what he him and his, i didn't know where that 69er story was going very very worried for a period there but uh, thank you so much for listening have a wonderful christmas have a very happy new year we are back the first week of january we're skipping a week but we'll be back the first week of January, uh, which will be almost the last uh, games of the regular season and then into the playoffs, of course. Uh, From John, from myself, from Mike, once again, please do gamble responsibly. Love the darts, love the racing, love the football, love the NFL. Have a wonderful Christmas. 
do it responsibly. Bye for now.